0: Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on the bigger picture, and I'm Juliet Jacobs. We've seen the reports, the news headlines, such as our planet is choking on plastic or microplastics polluting our blood, fetuses, and now the dairy and meat we eat. It's scary, but seemingly still persisting. So, along with the climate and biodiversity loss crises, pollution, including air and plastic pollution, is the third part of what we call the triple planetary crisis. How do we get out of this? So, Plastic Free July is a global movement that aims to help us all. All be part of the solution to plastic pollution. And today, in another episode of our segment, Plastic Soup on Earth Matters, our ongoing series where we ask whether we are indeed living in a giant bowl of plastic soup and explore ways to get out of this goop. And we're going to ask Hema Mahadevan, a public engagement campaigner at Greenpeace Malaysia, for some advice on how we can do that. Welcome, Hema. How are you today? Hi, Juliet, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so, yes, this um, we're just at the tail end of Plastic uh, Free July, so I thought it would be a good time to just sort of do an overarching look at, you know, plastic pollution and all the things surrounding microplastics and uh, plastic, basically, right? And I think um, I think we all know, right, that plastic pollution is a global problem. Uh, and you've done this before on the show for us, but can you help spell out the magnitude of the problem? You know, give us some of those social. Bring scary stats that we should all know?
1: Well, globally, the numbers are very intimidating. According to a report, Plastics the Fact 2019, an estimated 368 million tons of plastic were produced globally, of which 58 million tons were produced in Europe. Um, The same report mentions that in Europe in 2019, the demand for plastics amounted to 50.7 million tons, um, of which almost 40% was made for packaging. In a separate report, Plastic Waste and Recycling, scientists have estimated that by 2017, the cumulative total of primary plastics produced globally since 1950 amounted to approximately 9.2 billion tonnes. So to visualise that quantity of plastic, 9.2 billion metric tonnes would be approximate, would be the approximate equivalent to the mass of roughly 1.2 billion elephants, or 88 million blue whales. Um, To make things worse, scientists have estimated that all of the plastics waste um, ever produced up to 2015, only 9% has been recycled. And with plastic production projected to increase in the future, we will never be able to solve the plastic waste crisis with with current waste management and cleanups.
0: Okay. Well, I did ask you for scary stats and thank you for delivering those scary stats. And, you know, um, another part of it, of course, you know, the last time when we caught up last year, you also uh, walked us through some very sobering facts as well about how single-use plastic uh, increased and that was just during the pandemic, right? Uh, Can you just quickly remind us about those particular statistics?
1: Well, I broke it down to four categories, um, one being the face masks. When the pandemic hit, the Malaysian government provided each household four face masks to those who displayed symptoms of COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, but made it mandatory for individuals in August by the same year. Um, um, in August the same year. By, seven, by September 2020, it was estimated that up to 7.04 uh, million face masks were discarded every day in Malaysia. Um, and you know, the, the government after that also encouraged double masking in May 2021. Yeah. And we are now in July 2022. So the situation has definitely worsened and our numbers have been going up in um, the recent weeks um, to a month as well. Um, in terms of medical waste, healthcare workers working overtime were required to wear PPEs, um, disposable gloves, and face masks while engaging with the public. To a thousand kgs of medical waste was generated at Subrang Jaya Hospital daily in March 2020. Um, and I also spoke about food delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, with multiple lockdowns, Malaysians were forced to live the new normal. Uh, Malaysians using, you know, having to use online delivery services and platforms. So Rakuten Insight had reported that 54% of that, of Malaysians admitted to utilizing food delivery services. And in September 2020, Um, Reef Check Malaysia reported that takeaway containers, food wrappers, straws, and plastic bottles compromised 47.4% of the 11 tons of trash um, found during a beach cleanup. Um, And lastly, I also spoke a little bit about um, online shopping, um, with Malaysians having to resort to shopping online, especially during the first lockdown, um, because almost everything was closed. Um, And there was a driving significant growth in Online retail. So, for example, Shopee ended twenty twenty with seven point four one billion in revenue, up one hundred and sixteen percent from the previous year. Actually, so that is you know sufficient to show how much we depended on these platforms to purchase items and indirectly contribute to the increase in plastic waste.
0: Yeah, and I think we're still, continue- uh, you know, even though things are open, so many of us have become so accustomed to online shopping yeah. that, you know, that that hasn't quite stopped, I think, right? Exactly. Um, yeah.
1: People have just become so accustomed to it because it's much easier now to get things.
0: Yeah, and and we are seeing numbers are rising as well. So people maybe might be a little bit more cautious about going out. Who knows? Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it's not in any way ending in that sense. Like That's what I'm trying to get at, right? Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, plastic itself is so ubiquitous. Um, But when you think about it, right, it's such a strange practice, right? We take out this hydrocarbon material out of the earth, out of the environment, and then we make it into this sort of very useful, yes, but also cheap and disposable new product, um, you know, and then we throw that back into the environment, right? Or or, or we we put it as garbage or we burn it and that causes harmful emissions. Um, It's so weird, isn't it? And And we know that plastic pollution is bad, but maybe, you know, in terms of like I mentioned the triple planet, crisis. How exactly is plastic pollution linked to the climate crisis, climate change?
1: So it's exactly what you said earlier. At every step in its life cycle, even long after plastics have been discarded, plastics creates greenhouse gas emissions that contribute to global warming. Um, when I mean like every in every step of this life cycle, how is this so? Like 99% percent of plastics are made from fossil fuels and big oil is investing billions in plants to massively expand plastic production. So again, plastic produces climate harming emissions at every stage of its life cycle, from the moment the oil or gas used to make it um, is extracted from the ground to when it is burned in an incinerator or degrades in a landfill or the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, And that Um, And that sort of increases our greenhouse gas emissions into the air, hence why it's connected to global warming.
0: Okay, all right. And, um, you know, on that note, there was, uh, back in March this year, the UN member states actually agreed on a mandate to negotiate a legally binding global uh, instrument to end plastic pollution, right? And uh, this resolution was hailed as one of the most important multilateral uh, climate deals since the landmark 2015 uh, Paris Accord. The resolution will address the full life cycle of plastics, am I correct? Maybe you can help explain what this means.
1: Yes, um, it is a plan to create the first ever global plastic pollution treaty, which addresses the full cycle of plastic, including production, design and disposal. Besides that it is legally binding and addresses the full cycle of plastics, it also includes different aspects of the plastic issue. For example, it discusses um, circular economy national action plans, product design, it will also highlight microplastics and uh, recognizes the impact of the informal waste sector. Um, It will also measure the effectiveness and the implementation. So the treaty will also complement existing waste trade um, agreements like Basel, and, um, and it would strengthen fragments fill gaps in terms of protecting biodiversity, regulating use of waste, for example, um, and it will enforce corporate reduction and refill commitments. Um, I think it's also need to ensure that the treaty pushes companies beyond current recycling-based campaigns and commitments. It will also stop new fossil fuel infrastructure. And lastly, it will protect community, communities experiencing the worst impacts of plastic pollution and human health.
0: Okay, all right. And I guess, you know, for decades, I mean, based on what I've, I understand, uh, you know, plastic pollution has been managed by sort of piecemeal agreements, right? And that those differ radically across jurisdictions, I guess, in large part, uh, due to the absence of this sort of like universally ratified and properly enforced international instrument. Um, is this new treaty the possible end to this problem?
1: Yeah, the global plastics treaty is potentially a solution that fits the scale of the plastics uh, plastic crisis. Um, tackling plastics at every stage of its la- um, of its cycle. If we win a strong, legally binding um, global treaty addressing the full life cycle of plastics, we will have created a holistic and comprehensive framework for dismantling the plastic problem from its production and consumption to its waste and disposal and that is something that we've not had before Mm. so I mean we do have high hopes
0: for it. Okay and and speaking (laughs) of those high hopes you know what priorities should this global plastic pollution treaty focus on uh, as far as you know you and Greenpeace are concerned? So the Global Plastics Treaty must address the full cycle of plastics from production
1: to disposal. Um, world governments must commit to negotiating a strong plastics treaty that protects our climate by keeping oil and gas in the ground, um, prioritizing reuse and reveal, uh, refill systems over false solutions and work in solidarity with communities um, communities living on the front lines of plastic pollution.
0: Okay, excellent. And um, I was reading that these regulations are to be decided by 2024. That's actually pretty soon, um, you know, less than a couple of years away. Is that too ambitious? Is it something that we absolutely need? Is absolutely necessary? Or is it a bit of both?
1: Um, I think it's a bit of both, ambitious and both necessary. I mean, we have, we have to act now. The situation is dire, and it's time to start holding polluters accountable. Um, time and time again, we see consumers being blamed for the plastic crisis um, by plastic manufacturers, and it it is time for corporations to turn off the plastic tap and stop churning out you know, billions of pounds of single-use plastic every year. And governments must finally hold them accountable. We need companies to innovate and find alternative package-free ways of getting products to consumers. There is no other way. Um, it's either we do it now or the, or we suffer the repercussions later on. Um, and, you know, most of us only have, like, what, 30 years left on this world. Mm. But a lot of the younger generation will you know, be affected by it. Um, So we do, I mean, it is very, very necessary. Okay, all right.
0: Let's just go for a quick break, Hema. When we come back, let's talk about Malaysia's own uh, plastic sustainability roadmap. Um, I'm speaking today to Hema Mahadevan. She's a public engagement campaigner at Greenpeace Malaysia. It's another episode of Plastic Soup where we talk about how plastic is choking all of us. But, you know, more more importantly, ways to get out of this plastic pollution crisis. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's another episode of Plastic Soup on Earth Matters, our ongoing series where we ask ourselves whether we are indeed living in a giant bowl of plastic soup and, but more importantly, we explore ways to get out of this goop. Helping us today is Hema Mahadevan. She's a public engagement campaigner at Greenpeace Malaysia. We're talking about, well, plastics in general. It is uh, Plastic Free July, uh, the global movement to help us all, you know, be part of the solution to plastic pollution. So we're talking about, well, problems as well, but also Solutions. So, before the break, Hema, you uh, you know you mentioned how uh, we spoke about you know the new global treaty that's on the cards and how that might be uh, a really good solution to the plastic pollution crisis. Um, but you know, here in Malaysia, we have our very own Malaysia Plastic Sustainability Roadmap, which, and I'm quoting here, uh, outlines strategies and action plans to achieve greater levels of plastic circularity. In Malaysia, um, I guess you know. Just for context, what would a comprehensive circular approach actually look like?
1: Um, well, we need a roadmap that aims towards zero waste, which includes the complete phase out of single use. Non-biodegradable Non-biodegrad- uh, products and packaging by 2024, and a toxic-free, low-carbon, resilient, sustainable, and equitable waste management system for all types of waste. Um, and this would, you know, include things like, um, for example, waste management that I mentioned. You know, regularly make up to date waste-related data and information made publicly available at no cost for effective understanding and implementation of the waste hierarchy model. Um, we could also include like, you know, institute and implement a circular economy roadmap immediately um, with clear upstream solutions, which aim towards um, a zero waste for Malaysia. You know, that could be like mandate all local governments to adopt a zero waste master plan, fully implement and strictly enforce a separation at source system um, where all types of solid waste must be segregated before collection, um, including organics, recyclables, and residual waste. Um, We can institute and implement a single-use and hazardous plastic phase-out roadmap as well. um, And that should incorporate the complete phase-out of single-use plastics and a steep reduction trajectory for other polluting, toxic, and problematic plastics applications. ban oxo-degradable and photodegradable plastics de- derived from fossil fuels, um, address threats to environmental, human health, and safety from waste uh, through assessments and total bans of waste imports. Um, in- incorporate the polluter pace principle into legislation. Mm. Um, we can also look into improving public education on littering, zero waste and circular economy. Um, so it it has to be something holistic. Um, and I feel like when you have something holistic that covers from A to Z, only then we can have a very very comprehensive circular approach. Or else, it, you know, if we have gaps in between, and then the you know a roadmap is not going to really work.
0: Okay. All right. And and just looking at at our uh, roadmap, the one that's been produced, right? Yeah. I mean, w- what are your thoughts on the roadmap's six time-bound national targets, which have been listed, uh, yeah, in the roadmap?
1: Yeah, so um, I'll just explain a little bit about the six time-bound sure. national targets. So it's about, um, it, it. the national targets um, cover six areas which are phasing up problematic SUPs, 25% post-consumer plastic packaging to be recycled by 2025, 100% recycl- uh, recyclability of plastic packaging by 2030, 15% average recycle content by 2030, 76% average collected for recycling um, CFR rate by 2030 and post-consumer halal RPET standards by 2022. Um, when I looked at the national targets, I felt like it was very um, recycling heavy. Okay. Um, and reason being why this isn't, I think, the best approach is because plastics can only be recycled two to three times before its quality decreases to the point where it can no longer be used anymore. Mm. Um, I think everybody has this perception in our head, like in our heads, that you know, plastic plastic can be recycled multiple times, but it, it's not the case. So, what happens to the plastic after it's deemed useless?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it either ends up in our landfills, um, incinerated, or it finds its way into our oceans. Um, and I feel like that's why we need to focus on reduction. And in my opinion, these targets are more focused on recycling and um, with only one target focusing on reduction.
0: Okay, all right. And a- any other overall thoughts on the roadmap? You know, maybe what's what's good, maybe what's not so good or what's lacking in terms of um, yeah actual solutions?
1: Overall, I think it is a good effort by CASA because it introduces concepts such as um, EPR reuse and more. However, I think we Besides the fact that it's recycling heavy, I think we need a comprehensive plan for waste management, which is something that is lacking in this roadmap. Um, who? will be responsible for collecting these plastics that are mentioned in the target, for example. Um, It is not holistic holistic enough. We need to address certain issues like the low demand of recyclables in Asia. Recycling of plastics is limited due to their low commodity prices, which discourages recycling industries. So due to this, plastic manufacturers slow down the recycling process for a period of time. But at the end of the day, who who subsidizes it? So it's a very complex issue, and the roadmap should be able to cover these complexities. However, I also believe that it is not the end of the world. Um, We're starting somewhere, and the document also mentions that the roadmap will be updated from time to time, taking into account advancements and real-time circumstances. So there is definitely room for improvement and change here.
0: Okay. All right. And, you know, just now you mentioned something called EPR, right? And that's the Extended Producer Responsibility System. And that's said to be a very critical uh, policy approach to actually accelerate the transition to sustainable waste management and a circular model for plastic. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So EPR, Extended Producer Responsibility, focuses on the responsibility of the producer for the impacts of their product, in the final stage of its life cycle Uh after consumption. So for example, container take back programs where packaging waste is returned to the retailer and producer. So EPR ensures producers take responsibility for the full cycle costs and impacts of their products and packaging. And this also gives them responsibility to redesign and innovate products from renewable, safe, sustainable feedstocks and alternative um, delivery models. So we're looking at um, reuse and refill systems, Um, and that facilitates circularity. It's a good thing, I mean, because ultimately EPR will promote waste reduction and circularity of materials. It will not encourage continuing production and generation of waste, including proper treatment and disposal of waste with minimal environmental and social impact.
0: All right. And um, so I guess, you know, I mean, it's, it's a useful tool. Uh, I guess we just need to see how it actually plays out in that yeah. sense, right? Okay. All right. And, um, you know, just just moving on, Hema, the last time we caught up, um, you also told us, and this is something that Greenpeace came up with, right? It's the breaking up with plastic guide. Um, Since it's Plastic Free July, I mean, yes, it's the end of it. But can you just remind us about some of the suggestions and ideas that uh, we can all sort of uh, take to, uh, you know, fight against plastic pollution, whether it's on an individual, collective or even an organisational capacity?
1: Yep. So it's very, very easy. Just remember the four R's, reduce, reuse, refill or repair and repeat. Um, Shop and, you know as consumers what we can do is you can shop at bulk stores or zero waste stores even like you know those Indian stores that we have in um like Brickfields and Clang for mm. example mm. where they sell their you know they usually sell all your spices and everything in bulk it doesn't come in plastic yes. you have to go in and weigh your own you know weigh how much you want to buy for example so those are stores that you can bring in your own containers for example and you can start using reusables and and to basic by your um, food items, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when when you practice the reduce, reuse, refill, repair, you tend to be mindful of what you're consuming and why you're consuming it. Um, and that the thought of why you're consuming it will help change that throwaway mindset. Um, I also mentioned in our last chat that you know recycling should be your last option because yes. it's not the best solution, and this is something that needs to be talked about more often. <laughs> and um, not all. And, and the reason why I say this is because not all plastics can be recycled. So if you look at your plastic products, only one, two, and five can be re- um, can be recycled. So even then, not all plastics that can be recycled are even recycled in the first place. Like I mentioned just now, only 9% of um, recyclables were, you know, uh, recycled Mm -hmm. over the past how many years that we've had. So if you have, so if you have like, for example, an online business, you know, you can start by either redesigning your packaging, meaning you can reduce the plastic packaging, um, you know or even explore alternatives um, such as returnable packaging. Mm. So that is something that um, zero-waste stores actually have where you can order for them online. And then you can, you know, when you're free, you can just drop by their physical shop and, you know, give them back their packaging basically so they can reuse it for the other products. Yeah. Um, so that is one way of doing it. As an organization and, and business, you know, you can invest a bit more, um, in reducing plastic through auditing your plastics for for instance so if you're running a restaurant you know how many plastic packaging containers and cutlery sets that are being given out on a day to day basis um once you know where and how much of plastic your business goes through mm-hmm. you can plan better sustainability strategies focused on reduction so and furthermore Refill and reuse systems are one of the best ways for businesses to empower others to u- utilize reusables. Um, for instance, businesses moving away from plastic packaging can provide employees and patrons refill stations instead of vending machines. Yeah. So these are like some of the, s- the small gestures j- 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 that you can take, um, you know, whether you're a consumer, whether you are a collective or an organization and, you know, sort of... Um, move towards a different, how do I say this? I don't want to say lifestyle, but more of a system at wherever that you are. Like, for example, at Greenpeace, um, in the office, you know, we have like, we separate our trash. We encourage people to bring their own reusables. Mm. So when I go into office, I bring my own containers and I tap out my food in my own containers without any plastics and straws or, and, you know, um Disposable. Um, spoons spoons and, yeah, yeah. Now. Disposable um forks and spoons. So that is one way that, you know, we can do it
0: okay and you know uh, I just want to say something you know when you mentioned those Indian shops where you can go and buy you know all your things in, in, yeah. yeah I had this very vivid memory of following my mother to to these you know shops when I was young and you know she'd be buying chili powder in yeah. and yeah. all of that and the chili powder would go up my nose and I hated the experience yeah. but you know now I think about it it made so much sense you know and we stopped yeah. doing that we just buy everything which is already you know already packaged but there are yeah. options la pretty much right there are there all, is, hmm. is. I
1: and mean, if, if you're wondering like where do I go to like even like for example um get this sort of food products you can always go up on on google and you know and check it out there's so many stores available yeah I think it's just about going back in time and like and doing what our parents and our grandparents did back in the day I mean they survived without without a lot of plastic you know and um, I think you know it's doable I think we're just so used to this modern life that we've um, you know, can't think of any other way of doing it anymore. Yeah. But, you know, if you just go back and think about how it was done 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, it, it shouldn't be that difficult.
0: It isn't difficult. We've just made, yeah. we just like to think it is, but it isn't. Um, and, <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, Greenpeace, you know, what else are you guys working on uh, in terms of, and I, I said this in our last interview as well, ending this very toxic relationship that we have with um, plastic. Yeah.
1: Well, I can't say much because we're still working on the uh, back end stuff, but we are currently working on a campaign focusing on e-commerce and plastic packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, So, as I mentioned just now, plastic packaging amounts, um, accounts for the largest share of global plastics manufacturing. Um, It is also the largest source of plastic waste in the environment as packaging is typically designed to be single use. Um, and in Malaysia, nearly forty-eight percent of total plastic produced in Malaysia is used for packaging. So e-commerce companies have a critical role to play in the plastic pollution crisis. As I mean, they are responsible for enabling, facilitating, and incentivizing millions of online sales every day. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you know, now we have monthly sales on top of that. So most of which you know come wrapped in excessive amounts of plastic packaging. So what are we asking for is that these e-commerce companies, first of all, reveal data on the amount of plastic packaging waste. You know, um, start publishing sustainability reports, including this sort of important data that shows the impact on the environment. Um, number two, we want them to start reducing the amount of plastics being used to package products. You know, so company, companies need to sort of set up clear red lines as to what sort of products that need to be wrapped in extra packaging. So, fragile versus non-fragile items, for example. You know, we don't need three to four layers of plastics, which includes like bubble wraps and fillers for a product that is not, um, that is not, you know, easy breakable, for example. If you're buying vitamins from, you know, um, from an online platform, for example, mm. you really don't need it to come in like bubble wraps. Roll and know, rolls and rolls of bubble wrap, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, we want to look at reduction. Um, and... The third thing that we're asking is for e-commerce companies to sort of redesign the system. So prioritizing return and reuse, maybe adding features in the apps, you know, like, for example, um, a rating system that consumers can, you know, like how, for example, like after you buy a certain product, they'd ask you to rate the the product that you bought or the service, for example. So, you know, part of that could be like a sustainability or like a green rating system, like of how, you know, how much of plastic was used, for example. Oh, so yeah. is you know, so th- those sort of things, because I've actually, we all go online and buy things anyway. Mm-hmm. So, But I've seen comments by people asking um, vendors and sellers to like, you know, sort of reduce the packaging, like, they, you know, what they bought didn't really need, you know, that amount of packaging, for example. So there is a demand out there. And I think, you know, we just need to sort of look into redesigning the system to sort of meet that demand. Um, And yeah, um, so that is what we're currently
0: working on. Okay, that sounds, I mean, it's so, it's it's actually such a simple thing, right? Yeah, just a rating system, actually, that might work, that might uh, change so much, isn't it? So yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll definitely catch up with you, you know, when you're ready to talk about that in more detail. Um, But I guess, you know, just just before I let you go, Hema, you know, any final message you'd like to leave listeners with, uh, especially, you know, now at the tail end of Plastic Free July? It shouldn't just be in July, but um, yeah, any message at all? Well, at
1: Greenpeace, we believe that we should first look into other options of reuse, reduce, repair and refill. Um, Recycling should always be the last option. Um, But, you know, if you want, you can always separate your trash at home. You know, I do that because, you know, everything that we buy, for example, comes in plastic. But, you know, it's so important to remember that the problem is... With the corporations they do not take the blame for the plastic waste and they shift that blame to consumers instead but the problem isn't because of consumer choice it's because people have very limited choices and almost everything comes in plastic packaging so to tackle this problem effectively means that we need to focus on less consumption yes um and you know look into Uh, ways of like reuse and refill for example but we also need to hold big oil and corporations accountable for their waste Um, because if you don't turn off the tap, you'll never be able to overcome the plastic waste problem that's about it (laughs)
0: okay all right well thank you so much uh, Hema for joining me today and of course you know if folks would like to uh, follow uh, Greenpeace you know you guys have your uh, of course the official website and you guys are on all social media yeah
1: Yes, and we've also recently branched out to TikTok. Um, It's a bit quiet at the moment. (laughs) Well done, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit quiet at the moment. But you know, we do put out um, some content um, here and there. But we're looking at maximizing the account.
0: Definitely, for sure. <laughs> okay, excellent. Very happy to hear that. Um, so, you know, folks, if you'd like to find out more, just head to greenpeace.org uh, and uh, yeah, just search for Greenpeace Malaysia on social media, TikTok as well now, if you'd like to find out more. And if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.